0: Today, we talked to somebody who has a lot of things working against him, and maybe you can relate. Things like lots of internal stakeholders who could totally dilute and derail what he wants to be a really creative and resonant podcast. Or maybe you're familiar with this next greatest hit, a bunch of marketers who are way too excited about their own content. And uh, yeah, you really shouldn't be that excited. Let's tone it down here and be like humans when we communicate with others, okay? Can we just please? Or for my freelancer friends, working with a client who has a lot of demands. Or for my human friends, that's that's everybody listening to this, at least to my knowledge right now. I don't think we have podcast savvy robots yet. Uh, to my human friends, dealing with the freaking pandemic and still creating content. There's just a whole lot of things that could go wrong for our guest today. And yet, somehow, a whole lot of things are going right. Let's figure out why.
1: I wanna know how to do the things to a thing, a two,
0: a three that only comes from you.
2: Ah,
1: this is three
2: clips.
0: Hey, I'm Jay Akonzo, and on this show we explore the hidden creative choices that go into making great podcasts. In too many cases, I think people believe creativity means big. On this show, we believe it's all about the tiny techniques, the micro moments, and the refreshing wrinkles, all with the intent of making something that resonates with your audience. Today, we talk to Scott Monty. He's the host, producer, and writer of a new show, actually an internal corporate show. That's right. It only goes out to the internal team, a new show from TD Bank of all places. He doesn't work for the bank. And we'll hear about his relationship as a consultant and freelancer in a little bit. But Scott's show is called The Power of Wow. And uh, wow, is this show not what you expect it to be? Okay, that was really corny as a turn of phrase. I get it. But so could this show have been. This show could have been incredibly corny. I mean, internal corporate communications making a podcast, it's becoming a trend. And Scott faced some of the negatives bottled up in that trend. But It turned out to be a wholly positive experience and we wanted to learn why but anyways talking to scott today he reveals some of the small stuff through tiny clips three to be precise the small stuff that made a big difference to this show but before we get to all that here's a quick word from our sponsors i believe that business can be used as a force for good and that too much marketing is obsessed with awareness And this actually hurts a brand's ability to resonate deeply with an audience and make things that matter to them. Our real focus should be affinity, not awareness. It's far better to make stuff people like than try and make people like stuff. Said another way, marketing is not about who arrives. It's about serving those who stay more deeply. So how do you do that? Well, in a world of infinite choice and options and content, you have to focus on one overarching goal make something that they can consider among their favorite things. So every Friday morning, I write a newsletter to our audience called playing favorites. The first thing you see when you open it is a quick address from me, something we're learning or researching or have observed. And then we frame it as a simple question you can ask yourself or maybe your team when you head back to work. So you can do things that resonate more deeply. Resonance is learnable, but we spend most of our time as creators optimizing for reach Nothing good happens unless you resonate emotionally with your audience. Nothing can happen unless you make their favorite things. Subscribe to Playing Favorites and get a new edition every Friday morning. Plus, we'll get you started with our best resources for creating great content and specifically great shows. Subscribe at Marketingshowrunners.com or check your show notes for a link. The
2: pull quote technique, to me that is, I don't know, it's kind of a weak approach to podcast. It's lazy. It's it's lazy. Why is it lazy? Because you're taking something that you know they're going to get to later on in the show, and you're just, you're front-loading it as a cheap hook. And I'm like, there are other ways to interest people without reusing content. So I'm going to take the section
0: of you lambasting the poll quote. And I'm actually going to gonna use it as a poll quote for this episode. How about that?
2: <laughs> oh, I love irony.
0: All right, let's get some insight and get on the same page about the show that we're dissecting today. Let's get some facts of the show. The Power of Wow is an internally focused corporate communications-based podcast for TD Bank. Now, internal communications is a whole function. It's not uncommon. Even an internal podcast is becoming more and more popular. There was even a piece written by one of our workshop students, Matt Zucker, about internal podcasts, which he wrote for Forbes. It's becoming quite a thing. But oftentimes, as you can imagine, the shows don't work out to be all that entertaining or enjoyable or they don't really say something important. It's more like a chore, like Dad is telling us to listen to this thing, and here's an email from on high, from corporate. Not so with the power of wow. While Scott Monty is an accomplished podcaster, he has very many shows under his belt and a couple that he runs consistently on the side of his job, as an executive consultant and advisor to Fortune 500 brands, this is Scott's first chance at hosting a narrative podcast for one of his clients, and he has a strong vision for what he wants from this TD Bank show. To his knowledge, and mine... It's the first ever narrative-style show focused on an internal team. Episodes are just under 25 minutes each. They've made a few at the time of this recording with plans for 10 in season one. And each 25-minute episode focuses on one person. It's their story, and Scott narrates it. The motivation for this TD show was to help boost employee morale during the COVID-19 pandemic. The bank was concerned about workers being overwhelmed for any number of reasons. And they also wanted to help keep that workforce motivated and connected with each other at a time where they weren't feeling maybe very motivated or connected at all. Not unique to that bank, for sure. So how are we deconstructing an internal podcast? Well, even though that's the intent for the show, it's now available publicly, but only through their website, not on normal podcasting apps yet, at least at the time of this discussion. As for Scott Monty, the host... His claim to fame was to be the first global head of social media and digital communications at the Ford Motor Company. For six years, he became one of these visionary thinkers and creators on social media, working very closely to then-CEO of Ford, Alan Mulally. Scott is known as being a bit of a trend spotter and a thought leader, but not one of those kitsch, you-have-to-follow-my-tactics-or-else gurus. Now, as you'll find, Scott is very steady and strategic in the way he thinks, and he runs very many online projects that reflect this steady, almost old school, or I'd say classically trained approach to business. Scott is one of my friends who loves talking about the people part of this work we do. Today, he runs Scott Monty Strategies, where he's a strategy communications and leadership advisor and speaker working with large brands ranging from Walmart to Coke to IBM to Google and more. I mentioned he has a bunch of other podcasts, perhaps his longest-running one, and most famous is the 14-year-old show, I Hear Sherlock Holmes Everywhere. He's also the co-host and co-founder of a chat cast called Trifles, now in its fourth season. As you can hear just by those two names, Scott loves his classics, specifically Sherlock Holmes. Few people in this world know more about Holmes and Holmes canon than Scott. Scott also writes a newsletter called Timeless and Timely, which is a project that he's very excited about currently. Every edition, he grounds something about the world today in some timeless wisdom, something from history or the classics that we can use to better approach the world today. And honestly, just dropping all notes here, Scott's just a good dude. (laughs) And wouldn't it be great if more good people hosted shows and had prominent voices in any industry? Okay, with all that understanding out of the way, hopefully it makes sense in your mind, let's proceed to dissect the power of wow. As always, here's what we're going to do. We're going to use three clips to address the first three challenges that we all face in making great shows. And then at the end, we're going to ask our guest for some new ideas and bold thinking around a fourth and final challenge. So let's start with our first clip addressing the very first challenge that we face as showrunners. Say something that matters. The point of our work isn't to make a show. It's to make a difference. That starts with the premise of your show. Are you saying anything that truly matters to your audience? That gives them the necessary motivation to subscribe. Subscription, by the way, is not about clicking a button or joining a list. It's about raising your hand and saying, I'm with you. I'm for you. It's about the listener to your show aligning with your beliefs or your ideas, or embarking on a journey to deeply understand something important or make positive change in the community. So how do we make a show that makes a difference to our careers, our companies, and our communities? Well, it starts by skipping all the incremental stuff, like what microphone should I use? And instead, we focus our first efforts on the most fundamental thing of all, saying something that matters. Okay, let's play the very first clip from an episode of Scott's show with TD Bank, The Power of Wow. This clip highlights this show's ability to say something that matters. Here we go.
1: And then I remember I went to one of my eviction hearings, and it was, he was a grandpa. He had his grandkids, and he had a drinking. um He had a drinking problem, and they wanted to evict him from the housing that he had because he hadn't paid rent and he wasn't following the rules of the the, the housing authority.
2: It would have been easy for any lawyer to follow the letter of the law, and evict that tenant. It took a litigator with empathy to realize there was more at stake.
1: At the end of the day, we are business. We need to get the money. We need to figure out how he can pay his rent. We need him to follow the rules. But we didn't need to destroy that whole family unit by kicking them out, making them start over to get what we needed. And I remember that day I had a choice.
2: But this is more than the story of a lawyer having empathy for fellow Philadelphians who are struggling. This is the story about a woman who's followed a moral compass throughout her entire life and ascended the executive ranks to be able to make a measurable and lasting impact in communities that matter
1: I'm Shelley Silva and I am the head of social impact at TD Bank
2: How does someone go from overseeing housing authority evictions to heading a bank's social impact program? We'll explore Shelley's journey one that spans from a family tragedy to community service and touches on the disproportionate impact that COVID 19 is having on the African-American community. It's a journey that captures the power of wow. i I love that editorial
0: choice, Scott. What, what are you trying to do in those early moments of this episode?
2: Well, when I recorded the interview with Shelley you know, she told me a whole series of stories. And I had to step back and and look at all of these stories and say, well, how am I going to create a narrative, you know, kind of an arc through her career that mapped to, you know, the the fundamental goal of the episode, which was to, to really inform people about what uh, my client, TD Bank, was trying to do in the pandemic. And I looked for some kind of nugget some kind of uh story that shelley could tell that kind of encapsulated what was behind or what is behind the bank's strategy and at at some point throughout the conversation she, she mentioned this story with the grandfather and i thought wow i mean that that's powerful right and and it was it was in a job that she held before she even came to td bank and i mean it, and, and when you think about the, the basis of the story, she's a lawyer who's responsible for evicting people from affordable housing. That's got like Mr. Burns written all over it, right? <laughs> and I thought, wow, this, this is going to completely contrast where we're going with the episode. And at the same time, it's going to grab people almost by the throat to say, there's, there's something you need to stay tuned for with this. Right. This is not going to go where you're expecting it to go.
0: The, the unexpected, the word, even the little words you're using, like, but this is not a story, like inserting that little bit of friction with one word. But those are real missing pieces from most corporate storytelling. And this is a show which I think right away in the minds of most people, not us, Scott, not us, there's a couple strikes against this show just hearing about it. Number one, it's an internal kind of corporate communications focused show, or at least that's the thrust. The second is it's for a bank. It's TD Bank. And so the last thing you're thinking about is like this really rich, friction filled human interest story. And that's like exactly the first moments that you highlight.
2: And that was intentional because the, the bank, part of their mantra is that they're one of the most convenient banks and that they are unexpectedly human. And to me, that that whole phrase, we're unexpectedly human, that provided the basis for the whole concept of their show. And that's, that's how we approached the podcast. So it had to be a very human and touching story that captured that human element.
0: How did you come to work on this show?
2: Well, my client is uh, the head of content there, vice president uh, and head of content, uh, Chad Mitchell. He and I worked together when he had a similar position, head of digital communications at Walmart. And uh, we worked together to craft a strategy for Walmart's podcast, which was called Out of the Box. And back then, it was, again, meant to be done differently. So I said, all right, well, how can we take that same kind of different thinking and apply it to what we're trying to accomplish here uh, in 2020. And and Chad's challenge with his team was how do we lift morale and how do we get people to pay attention when they're already tethered to their screens and they're being overwhelmed? And for him, it was, well, let's go audio, right? Much more intimate and it's much more mobile. So it was a way to get people to separate from their screen and yet stay attached to what TD Bank was trying to tell them
0: my experience with corporate communications, both as an employee, but also talking to other companies who are trying to figure out, you know, it's a nascent little niche. But, you know, for example, Matt Zucker, one of the actually students in our workshops at at MSR, he profiled me and you and Lindsay Chepkema from Casted and a few other voices doing internal shows because it's becoming a thing. And and Matt wrote a piece in, in Forbes. So it's it's becoming more of a thing corporations are doing. But my experience of internal communications is, there's too much being assumed by the creators of that content that because it's coming from internally, everybody will just read it. And then on the receiving end, you're like, here come the parents telling us we have to do something. It's it's even more chore-like than most brand content, which can already be pretty chore-like. So you were clearly aware of that problem when you started developing the show with Chad. Walk me through what were the early moments and conversations like? How do you get to a, a premise of a show that people care about?
2: Well, I came from... A corporate communications team you know i've worked on corporate communications at ford and right there you get firsthand knowledge of how the machine works and and really communications as a function is like the nerve center of a company but here's the thing when it comes to internal communications i think the internal communications managers at all kinds of companies are cheerleaders it's their job to take the message and to share it with everyone and get everyone else excited about it. But if you've ever attended a game of sports ball where there are cheerleaders, they are way too excited about everything. Right? <laughs> they, you know, the, 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 the head nod and the, the fist in the air and <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, okay, guys, chill right now. I understand it's their job to get everybody else hyped up, but in order to do that, they need to be overly hyped. Yeah. And I feel like internal communications managers are like that. They are way too excited about this and don't remove themselves enough to say, all right, well, what if I'm a product manager? What if I am on the front line of an assembly line? What if I work in a store and I have to deal with irate customers every day? Do I feel as excited about this content as the people who are creating it? Oftentimes the answer is no. And our goal with an internal podcast was to say, how can we, focus not on the strategic importance the strategic message of get, you know getting this out to employees but what if we focused first and foremost on the story and wondered what is a compelling story that will make someone whether they are internal or external want to tune in if it's a good story and there's a compelling human element so what if it happens to be from a bank a story is a story Mm-hmm. And if it's enough to propel someone along and to help them feel something and to come away thinking differently about something, then it should work.
0: So we're still talking about the sort of the premise of the show and, and you really trying genuinely to say something that matters to people, not just checking a box. Now we have a corporate podcast when you're working internally. I mean, some people who listen to three clips are uh, running agencies. They are freelancers or they just happen to work in-house with lots of other people the, the premise can suffer from too many cooks. It gets it starts with we want to tell stories full of friction and tension. And it winds up with what Brene Brown calls gold-plated grit. You have this one moment you touch on ever so briefly about, you know, they intended to do X. It got hard in this one moment. Here's one sentence on that. Then it was easy, and let's talk about how it was easy and they're successful and they're great and everything's great. Ra-rah shisgumba. So how do you sell in? preview, pilot this idea that, look, for this to work, TD Bank, we're going to have to live in some raw human emotion for a while.
2: The good news with that is their whole mantra is we are unexpectedly human. All right, well, get ready for some unexpected twists and turns with the humans that we're interviewing. I don't ever take a uh, a pre-scripted question and answer type interview at the, at the outset. I mean, I, I have a pre-call with the guest and I, in my mind, I go, okay, well there, there's a few things I want to touch on. And, and I'll have some loose questions in my mind, but I'll, I'll prepare for the recording, sit down with them, turn on the microphone and just talk for 45 minutes, just have a conversation. And the, the client is, interested enough in the process of storytelling that they're on the journey as well they don't necessarily have any pre-scripted notions either and they're also very good at not wanting to have too much too much marketing speak Mm. in there because that in itself will completely debase the authenticity that is the story
0: one of the things you just explained and revealed is something, it's it's become a bit of a recurring theme when we profile shows from the brand world that we think are great is the kind of job of a translator. I'm Italian American. Every analogy comes back to food. It's like you're putting all the ingredients in the pot and you're going to make some sauce and the, the real key is you let it simmer for hours. And when the moment you just told me, what does this tagline of yours even mean? What does your positioning as unexpectedly human even mean? That's what is so missed when people try to navigate any corporation, big or small, is to take what's already in motion. Don't question it from a critical standpoint, like we shouldn't do that. Question it like, what does that actually mean? Can we simmer on that? Can we let it, let, let's distill it down to what is the essence of that? Because that's good fodder for a show's premise. And it sounds like you did exactly that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I felt like, look, this is a bank. You're, <laughs> there's They're very staid. You're not going to get away with the wild, crazy stuff. They're already well known. They've they've got a slogan. They've got you know the, all the brand elements. So what can we do that is unique, yet still fits within this this giant ecosystem? And it's a puzzle of sorts where you have to you have to figure out which parts fit where and how things are taking shape. And it, there's there's no preconceived notion that would automatically get slotted into really not just this company but any company you know uh, they said they wanted to engage employees well what does that really mean you know let's let's dig down two three four five layers deeper to get to the why behind this and though the answer to those questions can help inform different decisions we make about the show as we go along
0: Okay, I'm back to being narrator Jay here, and it's time to explore our second challenge to make a great show. Get them to the end. We just explored how this show says something that matters. That's the first and biggest challenge that we all face as showrunners. But once you have a strong premise, you have to explore it well. In other words, what does it take to make your show a great experience? If the premise provides motivation to subscribe, then the episode format and experience provide the motivation to stay. After all, this work that we do isn't about who arrives. It's about who stays. So let's go to our second clip to understand how today's featured show honors this golden rule of showrunning, get them to the end.
1: And everybody was encouraged to give to the community. It was encouraged to do volunteer opportunities. I recognize like We understood, as an organization, the responsibility we have to support the communities in which we operate in a real, meaningful, impactful way. And we, as an organization, have said $1 billion in giving by 2030. We've invested millions of dollars in better health outcomes. And so, as an organization, We are committed to our community, right? And for me to be the leader of that for the bank, um, it's a a lot of responsibility, but I relish it every day. And I I, I encourage my, my colleagues always to challenge me to make us do more.
2: For Shelley, this drive toward getting involved with community health isn't just a corporate goal. It goes much deeper for her beginning with some courses in college and a profound family tragedy.
1: When I went to college, I started taking all of these like philosophy, sociology, and then religious studies classes. And then I fell in love with biomedical ethics. And I think it was because at the time, I experienced a a familial loss. My cousin, who was young and vibrant and a fireman, died waiting for a kidney transplant.
0: I want to start with this. It's easy for people, especially corporate podcasts or talking to anybody in the business world, it's super easy to get the 30,000-foot view, the generalities, etc., It can be hard to get specifics. In this episode, I noticed Shelly is pretty forthcoming, not only about specifics about the work, which you heard her talk about what TD Bank is doing, but also, as you heard at the back half of that clip, specifics about her life. How do you, as a show host, create an environment where she's willing to share that?
2: Part of it is in the preparation work. I mentioned before, I like to sit down with the interview subject and just have a pre-call I get to know you call and to me sitting down with shelly and just getting to know her life story and she mentioned just offhand that uh, she had this cousin that died in our prep call and i thought whoa all right there's something and i got a little bit of information out of her but i said that's i said please put a pin on that we're going to talk about that in the episode because it sounds like it's very personal to you but it also affected your outlook on your career and your college and everything like that she, and and i said are you willing to talk about that she said absolutely it's part of who i am
0: well that, that's what it's a brilliant move by you to talk say that at the end Well, put a pin in it are you willing to talk about it i love that as the close of that little exploratory moment or poke on the prep call how do you open? Like, what are you asking? Not not the first moment of the call necessarily, but what precedes her volunteering that information even on a prep call?
2: This particular conversation with Shelly occurred almost at the end of our interview. She had talked about the things that she was doing in college. And I said, well, let, let's go back a little bit before you got to college and Talk about a surprising story that affected your life before you got to law school, before you got to college. Uh, talk about a little bit about any experiences you had as a young woman that helped reframe how you looked at the world. Mm. Right. So I left it open to her. I didn't say, well, tell me about your dead cousin. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really it's not really inviting. It's you know, okay. tell me about some experiences that are meaningful in your life that did X. Like that helped you think about public service differently, or that helped you think about your approach to education differently. And boom, it triggered something in her right. that was meaningful and that she could talk about with great sensitivity, but also in great detail.
0: You know, this ability to ask these open-ended, vague-sounding questions. T- talk to me about this. Tell me about this. How did it feel when? Mm. Incredibly powerful. So we talked about that environment being set early on the prep call. Just, uh, the, just to round out the prep call exploration really quick, does anyone balk when you ask for a prep call? Like, wait, I thought it was just the interview I'm committing to. You also want 15, 30 minutes ahead of time?
2: You know, I've been a guest on plenty of podcasts and this whole idea of the prep call for most podcasts, if it's just the interview podcast, why do you need to interview me to do an interview? Right? Right just ask me the question when you're asking me the question for the type of show that we're putting together. And I explained this to all of our interview subjects. I said, this is a storytelling thing. I said, have you listened to this American life or have you listened to, you know, name, name a podcast that has this kind of format. I said, we need to mine for a lot of material and I want to make sure that I know enough about you to explore different areas with you to make sure that when we sit down for those 45 minutes, It's time well spent. Right.
0: I love that you position it that way. This is about your time investment and your impact on the audience, not this is an an extra time investment I'm asking for. Exactly. Last question on this clip, the music you use, the thing that stood out to me, you know, a lot of people use music beds. A lot of people use it in kind of a superfluous fashion where it's like, I'd like to prove to my listeners that I have production value. I want to. So here's some music it seems really strategic the way you use that music. And I'd point to the transition between moments, the bed underneath the um, uh, description of what she does for work, kind of accenting the emotion of that description. It fades out into the next track, which is a little bit more dramatic, I'd say. You give it a couple of beats alone at regular volume that it becomes a bed under your voiceover. Like such a deft move um, that once you know is easy to repeat across episodes to enhance those episodes. Talk to me about a musical decision like that and why you're doing that.
2: Jay, I music is really important in my life. Music makes such a difference in the things we experience. And if I have the opportunity to do sound design on a podcast and I can find the right cues and, and it's a little more difficult because this is stuff that's already pre-composed. Again, we get back to this notion of a puzzle. I have to figure out how does this fit in different segments? And ultimately, it creates the difference between a podcast that's mm, okay and a podcast that is like, wow. The power of wow. <laughs> oh, if
0: man. I, I was like, you're about to stick the landing.
2: I, I uh. have to. Um, but look, I gave the initial interview sound edited version to the client before i added music and they thought mm, that's okay i said wait trust me on this right and, and and i got chad to kind of hold off the troops before they were ready to jump down my throat at this format and we went back with the music and he said if if you can see a standing ovation over email it's happening right now
0: Very few things in the production process enhance an experience or ruin it like music. Uh, I'll leave it at that. And I feel like everything you just described is how you go down the road of enhancing it. So far today, we've explored the first two challenges if we want to make great shows. Say something that matters and get them to the end. It's time now for our third challenge and our third and final clip, deepen audience relationships. As showrunners, once we provide motivation to subscribe and motivation to stay, how does that turn into motivation to act? After all, the point of our work isn't to just create a bunch of stuff. It's to create a relationship with our listeners, our audience, our community. We want to help them. We want to spark change for any of that to happen we need trust and love. And those things are earned over time. So from tiny choices inside the show to larger initiatives around the show, we can all create experiences that focus on connection, not this marketing idea of conversion. And by the way, in doing so, everything else we want gets better. So let's play our third and final clip to talk about this third challenge. How do you deepen audience relationships? Here's a clip from The Power of WOW that showcases how Scott creates an intentional experience that does just that.
2: When we put all of this together, collab and COVID testing, communities with gaps in opportunities, and interested and motivated people who want to help, measuring success goes beyond just the numbers.
1: I love that I can talk confidently, and feel good about the work that we get to do. I think the organization has really let the data, the need, you know, we've heard a lot of people say data lately, but let the data and the community needs drive our investments. And I don't think we could do much more.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because when you talk about data, when, when you hear people talk about data, it can sound very cold and unfeeling. The, the, numbers, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, they, they're neither good nor bad. They they just are. Right. But what you're able to do because of those numbers, the, the lives you're able to touch, the world that you're able to improve, that's where the empathy and the compassion really comes out.
1: Absolutely. Lives touch, lives impact, lives change. That's how we measure our work.
2: I love that. Lives touched, lives impacted, lives changed.
1: Changed. Yeah.
0: There's an old storytelling trope in podcasts, uh, I think probably made most famous by Ira Glass and his team at This American Life, which is you, you offer an anecdote and then you reach the moment where you say, and that's the thing about. And that's the thing about this. While implied, you can find that moment everywhere. I think it was overt at one point before it became a trope. That's how people would pivot. I think this is a moment where you're like, and that's the thing about, you're kind of moving from the story into the broader insight as it applies to the people listening. What does that do to the experience of the listener in your mind?
2: Well, if I did that, Jay, uh, I think it was unintentional. <laughs> but here, here we are on this journey with Shelley. And she's telling us about all of these things that happen. And and look, you're you know eighteen minutes into a show, she's talked about a lot, right? And and as I look at the editing, you know, there were probably eight to twelve different segments that we hit on between the beginning and this point in the in the show. That's a lot for me as the editor to remember, let alone somebody who's driving around picking up kids or you know on a commute or uh, in, a, in a train or whatever. So you want something to kind of tie everything back together and to say, okay, well, here's the journey we've been on. And here's the, here are the things that we've learned. It's a, it's an audio cue to make sure everybody is on the same page with what we've just learned. And I, I really like this whole section of the podcast, because as you continue from here until the end, you'll see a repetition that was intentional of three things. The mind can only accept three things at one time and so with shelley there you heard me talking about their their collab and the testing communities with gaps and opportunities and interested and motivated people and then she talked about lives touched lives impacted lives changed right so we had this repetition of threes and it just it it worked marvelously and and in retrospect, it sounds formulaic and it sounds forced, but it really wasn't. It just, it fit with the whole flow of where we were going.
0: Formulaic and formula in storytelling, different things. Formulaic means people can tell that you're sticking to a plan in too rigid a fashion. Having a plan, having a formula, having a framework, knowing good story structure, however, I think is paramount. You know, And like you said, you didn't necessarily do the uh, Ira Glass slash This American Life move here. But it felt right. It felt like, you know, you you need the audience to see themselves in the story. You yourself need to connect deeper with the storyteller as a host. And that's why I loved also in that moment, you heard yourself asking, like the listener hears you asking the question. It's not just some voiceover plus a guest. You now connect the two. I think that breeds a deeper connection with the experience too. So I think, yeah, formulaic might be bad, but I think having formulas at least playing out in your mind that are at your disposal to, for me anyway, seems to enhance my ability to create. I don't know about you, Scott.
2: Well, it it, it really does. And I think understanding that when you are writing, because some of this is narrative, you're writing for the ear, you're not writing for the eye. And so this, this cadence, this natural cadence of one, two, three, one, two, three, like I'm waltzing across the podcast, you create this parallel cadence for the ear that people almost come to expect it at a certain point. And if you, if you flub that, if you give them two and three or one and two, something's not going to sound right to them. But if you have this wonderful, this wonderful cadence, it is a treat. It's a musical treat, even though it's the spoken word. So
0: now maybe in the edit, uh, I need to pull out your voice going one, two three, one, two three then you hear the song because we have a we have a custom theme song, Scott we're big time now where they say the words three clips. So you're gonna hear one, two three one, two, three three clips right So the title of this episode is just gonna be Scott Monty gives us pull quotes <laughs> We've now arrived at the fourth and final challenge that we face if we want to make our audiences' favorite shows reinvent the experience. Even the best experiences in the world grow stale over time. The more you come back to them, the more you just get the joke and it stops being as funny or delightful or moving or helpful. You get it. And remember, creativity does not mean big, innovation does not require invention. Instead, It's all about making small, refreshing changes on top of an existing status quo. It's about consistently tinkering and improving. That's what creativity is in the end. Repetition plus reinvention. Today's featured show says something that matters. They get listeners to the end. They deepen relationships. But how will this show stay fresh and avoid stagnation over time? How can they keep making a difference in the lives of those they serve? Well, there's no clip to illuminate that. So instead, we talked to Scott about how he plans to keep reinventing and improving the experience of the power of WoW. When you think about the long arc of the show, because the point of a show is not to launch, it's to persist. You're thinking about now completing a 10 episode season. Hopefully, everybody loves it and you get renewed for more. That's the dream. What are you trying that's new? What do you want to try that's new? How are you keeping the experience fresh where you know, a few episodes in, they kind of get the joke? a great story, some human interest moments here, some friction, some, you know, moving, swelling music, uh, your wonderful storytelling cadence. How will you remix, reinvent, and otherwise refresh this experience?
2: I think the biggest challenge for us is finding the right guests. And not everybody has to come from inside the the bank. Um, I think convincing the client that there are stories that are compelling that are happening outside of the bank and yeah maybe some of these are customers of theirs but maybe some have no relation to the bank whatsoever
0: uh i had no doubt in my mind this is going to be a pleasure it absolutely was we need to do this more often sir uh i miss you i miss everybody in the world but you know scott a little bit more than most people sorry it's just how it is <laughs> as a way of saying thank you some shows send swag some shows send cards uh what we like to do is place a small donation in your honor to a, either a charity of, of your choosing or our go-to. Um, if you support any, Scott, now's your chance, uh, but otherwise I'm happy to volunteer our go-to.
2: You, you go ahead and, and do you, I, I really appreciate that.
0: Sure, so as a way of saying thank you, we'll give a small donation to No Kid Hungry. They turn every dollar to 10 meals for children in the United States that are food insecure and, and uh, at risk. So thank you, Scott, for coming on the show. This was, this was so much fun, man.
2: It was my pleasure. I mean, this is this is the magic right here, you know, seeing you ply your trade.
0: <laughs> this is awesome. All right. That'll do it. Thanks for listening. Every time you do, you're supporting independent creators who try to earn a living on their craft in part by working on the show with me. This episode was produced by Cherie Turner. And it was hosted and written by me, Jay Aconzo. Original theme music by Cardboard Rocket Chip. If you want to learn how to make your audience's favorite show, I hope you'll explore our company, MarketingShowrunners.com. Our mission is to help more people find their voices and make shows that make a difference. So to do that, we offer lots of free content, including our blog and newsletter and this podcast, And we offer periodic paid workshops, eight-week intensives to launch or reinvent amazing podcasts. You can learn more at marketingshowrunners.com or subscribe to my newsletter for the company, Playing Favorites. Every week, a brand new idea framed as a big question you can ask in your work to make someone's favorite show. We also round up the best content we created that week. That's Playing Favorites sent every Friday from me to you. Links for all of this are in your show notes. Our last segment is called Play It Forward, and we want to show some love to a a podcast that, you know, people are out there working hard on, but maybe is not at the top of the charts. So what show would you like to uh, show some love to or play it forward to?
2: I want to go with a show called Finding Fred, a podcast about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and it's hosted by Carvel Wallace, and he digs deeper Into the man that we all thought we knew. I mean, mr. Rogers messages were extraordinarily simple and yet they're profoundly deep and Who was the man behind that and what made him who he was? This is the journey that uh, Carvel takes us on in finding Fred over I think 10 episodes. It's a a 10 episode show Um, and he he pulls clips from the old show, he provides a narrative. He interviews people who were part of Fred's life and brings it all together with uh, such empathy and and care, not only in how he crafts the show, but in the, the topics that he's talking about.
0: All right, that's it for this episode. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe succeeding in our line of work is not about who arrives, it's about who stays. So thanks for staying with me. And I'll talk to you every other Monday on this show and every Friday in our newsletter. See ya.